All right. We are here with the incomparable Lisa Foyles. Lisa, go ahead and say hi to everyone. Hey, how's it going? For a second there, I thought you were going to say incompetent. And I'm like, well, I guess that kind of works too. <laughs> we keep it that real would, on our show, you know? That would be kind of fun to introduce somebody, just like horribly slam them right off the be- <laughs> right at the beginning. Just see how quickly that interview comes to a conclusion. <laughs> The horrible, bad-smelling, incompetent Lisa Foyles, everyone. I'd rather we not try that experiment on someone I actually like and have been trying for a very long time to get onto the show. Now, Lisa, I found you through The Escapist, but other people would know you from other things, right? Uh, yes, many, many other things. It kinda, I think it just really depends on your, your age in your generation. <laughs> well, well, let's let's walk through it here. Okay, you uh, according to your bio, you are best known for all that on Nickelodeon. Yes, which... I would I would say that. I think that's the the thing that I've done that probably reached the most people since it was televised and you know kids love Nickelodeon. Who knew? I, I feel bad because I had no clue that show even existed. What? That, I, yeah, I know. I know. That show was on for 10 years. I was only on for four years, but all that was on for 10 years. That's as long as Friends. I, I was a bit of a Luddite then, I guess. I don't oh. know. Which is why but I'm I on would, a tech yeah. podcast now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, Nickelodeon was uh, like the best time of my life. It was so much fun. I mean, I I was a young kid who got to do a whole bunch of different funny characters and get slimed and pie people in the face for four years of my life. Uh between ages like 14 and 18, it was it was a dream come true. So were you like a, a celebrity? And I don't mean this rudely, please. But were you like a celebrity where you walk into places and people are like, oh, it's the girl from all that. Did, did that kind of stuff happen to you? Yes, absolutely. It, it got to the point. Well, well, here's the thing. So all that was already uh, a number one show on Nickelodeon. It aired on Saturday nights. Nick, yeah, Saturday nights. And, you know, like I said, it, it was one of the shows that, you know, was doing really well for Nickelodeon. It had Keenan and Kel, and that's where Amanda Bynes started. And, uh, you know, it had just, it was just an amazing show. Like, I loved it when I was a kid. It was my favorite show. Um, and then they got an entirely new cast. They did a nationwide search because their original cast was just getting a little too old. You know, they were all like getting married and having kids. It's like, all right, they're a little too old to be on our kids show. So they did a, nation, a nationwide search for a whole new cast. And the second year that I was on, uh, we got Jamie Lynn Spears, which is Brittany's little sister, as a cast member. So that got insane press. I mean, we were on every show, every new show, every gossip call them every everywhere we were everywhere so you know that really helped our show get tons of publicity and um i mean it helped that i was in most of the sketches with jamie <laughs> like jamie and i were or kind of like partners in the sense that her main sketches were kind of my main sketches and we were we always acted kind of side by side uh so yeah no it most certainly got to the point where i couldn't even go to a shopping mall without tweens tracking me and flagging me down and making me sign things and hug them people like hugs i don't know it's weird <laughs> what is that like i mean because that's being just like a normal kid and then being that it's got to be a shock to the system i would imagine it was it was very strange uh i was i I've not, i wouldn't really describe myself as shy growing up but i certainly liked doing my own thing I was homeschooled my almost my entire life uh, because I was so busy with competitive dance and theater and singing and acting and uh, that whole world, entertainment world. Uh, so I was homeschooled most of my life. 
And because I was homeschooled, I didn't have a lot of interaction with other kids. And I, and I liked it that way. Uh, I went to regular school for a couple, like one or two years. That's it. And I, I hated it. Like I just wanted to learn at my own pace and I could learn faster than the other kids. And I, I didn't, I didn't like it. And I hated going to school from like 8am to 3pm. Like, what is that all about? Like when I'm homeschooled, I can get my work done at 12 and then just have the rest of the day to do whatever I want. Um, so to take kind of a loner homeschool kid and just, you know, kind of throw her into that world where I, I couldn't go anywhere without being recognized, it was it was interesting. It was frustrating at times, but, you know, obviously I was very thankful and I loved every minute of it. So Now, all that, it was a little bit different than most other kids shows in that it was a sketch comedy, which is unusual for kids shows. Yeah, it was kind of uh, one of a kind. I mean, it was the Saturday Night Live for kids. Uh, I, I still wonder why they haven't continued it, you know, with a whole new... They could do that show forever, just like they do Saturday Night Live forever. Uh, but that that was kind of the most fun thing about being on that show, is that most actors book a role in a TV show. And, uh, you know, if that show is successful, which very few of them are... Uh, then they get to play that character for several years. And it's always the same character. And yes, they can kind of, you know, develop personality traits for their character. And, you know, it can kind of evolve. But it's still that same character. Uh, When I was on all that, I would get the script uh, for that week's episode on Monday morning. And I would open it up and I would have four brand new characters that I had to come up with and, you know, and learn and perform. And then by the next week I'd have four more. So it was just this constant, you know, one week I would play a goth girl and then the next scene I would play a ditzy cheerleader. And then the next scene I would play a zombie, you know, it's just, it's so much fun. It was just, you know, basically theater camp for four years. Do you think that kind of had a role in shaping you as an adult? I mean, like you said, a lot of even the child actors that get uh, and you see it now all the time on on Disney and on Nickelodeon, they get into kind of the the tween mini dramas or comedies. And like you said, they play that role until they're too old for the role and they just retire the series. Yeah. And do you think maybe that kind of helped ground you where everyone else kind of is almost groomed to become drama queens or divas? Maybe. I think it helped that it was a show where every cast member was on even ground. There wasn't a star of our show and there wasn't supporting characters. We were all the stars of the show, all seven of us. Well, seven initially, and then we you know, added cast members here and there. But uh, yeah, I, w- I mean, I would say that helped. I would think that I'm a little more grounded than some other Disney and Nickelodeon former child actors out there, but <laughs> I won't talk about that. Uh, but I don't know. Nickelodeon definitely shaped me as a person and an actor in good ways and in bad ways. In good ways, uh, because it just, you know, made me super comfortable in front of the camera and it's helped me with my hosting and being really charismatic and just kind of, I've been able to develop this energy switch where it doesn't matter what's going on. If I need to step in front of a camera and be super high energy, I can do it because I had four years of training to do that. Uh, But on the downside, the one thing that Nickelodeon ruined for me, and this is so funny, um, being on a kid's show, they're very kind of apprehensive to anyone ad-libbing. Like, they don't want you to ever ad-lib. They don't want you to mess with the script. They want you to read every single line word for word for word for word. And, you know, I was I was so used to doing that for, you know, like I said, for like four to five years for my length of time with Nickelodeon that now, like, I, I still do that. Like, I can't just step in front of a 
camera for top five and just wing it. Like I have to write a script, you know, before I do it. And then I have to read it and, you know, memorize it word for word before I perform it. So, it, you know, that kind of sucks because there's so many good improv actors out there that I don't I don't think I could ever be a good improv actor because I'm just my brain is is warped from my Nick days. Now, see, when you say that there were things that Nickelodeon ruined for you, I'm immediately reading this line here in your Wikipedia entry. Lisa had to dance with clam chowder in her pants. She oh, yes. The no, dance that was off. quite normal. That was very normal. <laughs> see, I, would think, I think that would be up there on my list of things that have been ruined for me. No, it was – that show was absolutely traumatizing in the sense that we had to do the grossest, most awful things. But we did it every week, so it wasn't a big deal. We had this uh, kind of sister show to all that that was – that we did kind of as like a bumper, like in and out of commercials. Like we'd come out of all that and be like, yeah, you're watching all that. And you know, our, uh, this next on air dare is what we call them. Uh, you know, we just did super, super gross. It was like fear factor for kids. And if you were the kid that got picked that week, then you would have to do the most disgusting things. Uh, like I had to be in a glass box covered in mud full with, uh, filled with frogs Another one, I had to be in a bathtub full of dead fish, and I literally smelled for two weeks afterward because my skin just was covered fish yuckiness and ugh, it was so awful. And uh, so you're loads yeah, of fun was... at sushi bars now, right? <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Uh, Jack had to have a live scorpion in his mouth. That was fun. Uh, but this was just normal stuff just every week. It was like, what disgusting, horrible, traumatizing thing do I have to do this week? And it just became normal to the fact that, or to the point where I feel like I'm more brave now just in my everyday life because I was, I was pushed to the edge so many times during that show that it's like, Oh, you know, there's what's the worst that can happen. (laughs) Did they ever come to you and say, okay, Lisa, we want you to do this. And you're like, there's no freaking way I'm doing that. You people are insane. No, no, that never happened. <laughs> they would, well, they would come to me and they'd be like, uh, so this is what you're going to do this week. Are you cool with that? And I would always say, yes, absolutely. And I would always be excited. It w- I would be nervous when they weren't looking, you know, when the director wasn't looking, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to have a tarantula crawl up my arm. But it was, I would always say yes. There was, there was no saying no. See, and you say that became the new normal. For most people where that becomes the new normal, they kind of develop that thousand-yard stare like you see with people who have experienced (laughs) deep combat. (laughs) I have post-traumatic disorder from all that. You seem to be very happy for it. (laughs) Like, just because it became the new normal, that doesn't necessarily mean it was healthy. (laughs) No, I mean, it was, I don't know. I don't think it was unhealthy. Like I, you know, there was many times when we had to be in a harness, like really, really high up. And that kind of eliminated my fear of heights. And like I said, there was uh, several scenes where I had to have tarantulas crawling on my arms and that completely deleted my fear of tarantulas. Like I think they're adorable now that I got to know them. (laughs) Uh, One of the most disgusting things I ever had to do was I played this goth character named Claudia and she was just super creepy. She had like a dead squirrel as a pet and I'd like play with rats and all sorts of things. But in one scene, I had to reach into a paper bag, pull out a live cockroach and put it in my mouth like I was going to eat it. And there really wasn't a good way to fake that. Apparently, I don't know. Thinking back now, maybe they could have faked that a little. <laughs> but I actually had to grab uh, a giant hissing cockroach and put it in my mouth and it was funny because I had to work with the cockroach wrangler before the scene because every time there's an animal on set, it's always the something wrangler, the cat wrangler, the tarantula wrangler. So I had 
to work with the cockroach wrangler. And she's like, now, all you have to do is just put him in your mouth and just, like, kind of press down on the roof of your mouth and your tongue so he feels really squeezed in there. And then he won't, like, wriggle around if he feels comfortable. And also, don't be alarmed if, if, the, if you feel, like, some moisture because that's just him spitting because he's scared. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. But I did it. And I would do it again. It wasn't that bad. It was, you know, it was scary before i did it but now i'm not afraid of it that's a facebook update without context (laughs) don't be alarmed if you feel the cockroach spitting in your mouth it just means he's scared it just means he's scared it's fine but as long as you press down with the roof of your mouth he's not going to crawl down your throat or anything oh good fantastic (laughs) there's an there's a there's an insurance form i wouldn't like to see filled out (laughs) i i don't even know how to follow that story well okay so moving on (laughs) You don't, you don't want any more cockroach stories? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. All right. Cool. So I, I, are you the person that like when you go to some weird exotic restaurant and they're serving like alligator hearts or whatever, you're just, oh, yeah, give me some. Where's, where's the camera? I'll eat it in front yeah. of it. <laughs> no, I won't go out of my way to try crazy weird stuff. But if I had to or if it was for comedy or if someone told me I should, then, yeah, I'm not opposed to trying it. So what's more important, the uh, scoring a laugh with your, I don't know, antics, for lack of a better word, <laughs> or or the story saying that you did it? Uh, the laugh, for sure. When, you know, when I was doing all these things on, you know, on all that with all the crazy stuff, like, I, I wasn't thinking at the time, like, oh, this is going to make a great story. I was just a 15 year old putting a cockroach in my mouth like that was just because i knew the the kids at home would think it was funny and they did and so it worked out so i mean i don't know maybe now it's a little different now that i'm older i can kind of look at a situation and be like oh this is going to make a great story later but you know at at the time it was just it's all about the comedy all about the lols (laughs) that that's actually how i live my life every day i wake up it's all about the lols that's true. That's that's the way it should be. <laughs> now, now after all that, what wh- what happened next? Where did you go next after that? Uh, I was kind of sick of Los Angeles and the entertainment industry. I just kind of was getting too far into it. Um, I had just gotten done with all that, and you know, I was doing a couple other shows and just a lot of auditioning. And it just got to the point where it just consumed my life. And when you're, I think it was 18 at the time, when you're 18, you still don't really know who you are, what, you know, what you really want to do. I don't know. I just needed some time away from it all because I'd been doing it since I was like 12. I'd been on TV since I was 12. Um, So I decided to move away back to my hometown of Portland, Oregon. And I did some schooling, which I actually I got a full ride scholarship to University of Idaho, but I went there for like in musical theater and acting. And I went there for like two weeks and I hated it because remember, I was homeschooled and the classroom environment just does not click with me. It's just it's a horrible anxiety and nervousness. Just just awful. Just I hated every bit of it. So I ended up uh leaving that college and doing an awesome online college program that was just all writing because writing is my other passion. And uh, while I was taking these online courses uh, living in Portland, I decided to get kind of back into video games. I had already, I had always really liked video games and found them really appealing. And, you know, through the years, just been so impressed with how they had 
progressed and the, the cool things they they were really starting to do with video games. Uh, this was kind of near the beginning of the uh, 360 and you know PS3. Uh, so I was, you know, going to school online. I was actually working a part-time job at GameStop, which I will tell you, I only did that because I, that is one situation where I did it because of the stories. I knew it would be funny and I knew it would give me material to write about in my writing class. <laughs> so I, I took like a, just a super, super part-time job at the GameStop uh, next to my house because I knew enough about games that I could advise people. And I don't know, the job was horrible, but I got some good stories out of it and I still have some really good friends from it. Uh, but you know, I, I still really like, liked... you were like an embedded journalist at GameStop. There's another, another thousand yard stare inducing job. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's true though. So, uh, you know, working at GameStop kind of even more sparked up my love of video games. And, uh, I, I went to PAX and started going to some video game expos and that even more so was just like video games are Disneyland. This is amazing. And so I decided to try to kind of merge my two loves, my acting love and being in front of the camera and video games. So I started kind of creating dumb little internet videos where I was hosting things about video games. And the first ever video I did was a top 10 list uh, for PAX. It was like, hey, I, you know, I just went to PAX 2008 or something, and here, here's my top 10 games of PAX. And uh, that's actually eventually what led to The Escapist, is uh, somebody at The Escapist saw that video, and they were just like, hey, you should make that video less awful and do it for our site. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I actually got you know a nicer camera and learned how to edit, and uh, it, it worked out. The, the editing is the hardest part to learn of anything that oh, we are quickly learning. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, now oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you're actually the third escapist we've had on the show. Uh, ah. Graham Stark, I want to say, was our second interview ever. Nice. Uh, and we had Yahtzee on uh, about a year ago or so to, to promote I his love books. those two people. Yeah, we, we love them too. So you're actually the third. Um, I first found your show, Top 5, with Lisa Foyles. I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, where have I seen this girl? Where oh, have I seen you. this? So I, so I, I Google you. And, well, she's best known for all that. I'm like, well, not for me. She isn't because I have no <laughs> clue what that show is. <laughs> I, through my random stumblings, I find out you're on an episode of Leverage. Yes. I, I loved that very show. small role on that show. <laughs> yeah, you're like in one episode. But I recognized yeah. you from it. I have a funny story about that episode. Um, so I don't know how, how well you remember the episode, but there was two scenes I was in. There was like the initial scene where I like walked up to the blonde chick. I don't remember what her character name is. Sorry, forgive me. But I walk up to her and I, I kind of like grab her to come into my little seminar. And then a couple scenes later, I actually do the little seminar and it's kind of like a, a little comedy bit. Uh, I filmed that in Portland. That was one of the, the jobs that I auditioned for and booked when I was living in Portland because they film leverage up there. And it's so funny because I auditioned with the comedy scene, the second scene, and that's the thing. That's the scene that I booked the job with. But once I actually got to the set, they told me that they cut that scene. They cut the second scene, so it was just the first little scene. So I only had like two lines or something like that. And I'm like, that sucks. I was like, that. That's the whole reason I wanted to do this role is because it was funny and I got to be kind of perky and annoying, and that's what I'm good at. So it was kind of a bummer. Um, but, you know, I went and I, I met all the cast members and they were super sweet and it was, you know, a great time. And I filmed my one scene and then I went home. And two weeks later, no, it was like three weeks 
weeks later. I don't know, a long time. It was like nine o'clock at night. I was just sitting in my room and I get a call from a number I don't recognize. And I pick it up and they're like, hi, yeah, Lisa Foyles. I'm like, "Uh, yeah, this is her. They're like, all right, your call time tomorrow is 7 a.m. And uh, here's the location. I'm like, I'm like, who, who is this? Like, what? Who are you? <laughs> Do you, have, you obviously have the right number because you know my name. And they're like, uh, this is uh, Leverage Productions. I'm like, wait, what? I was so confused. But I mean, of course, I was going to show up the next day. <laughs> I will. I will go wherever you want me to. And uh, son of a bee, I show up, and they decided to put the comedy scene back in the show without telling me apparently <laughs> but thankfully i still remembered it but the only the only sad part that makes me angry every time i see that is because uh i did i i wanted to touch up the roots of my hair cuz i had blonde hair at the time and i really wanted to touch up my roots before i did any other acting jobs but because they they contacted me the night before i had these horrible big like black roots in my blonde hair and the the poor hair and makeup people had to spend like an hour trying to like put powder in my roots to try to make them not so dark. But it's it was it was it looks pretty awful. But what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, so now top five went on hiatus for a while. Uh, there is that whole hubbub happening with the escapists that we won't go into. Okay, but I appreciate. That. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of great stuff there. I know that it has some oh, hard feelings and. What's done is done and wasn't really any of our business anyway. But thankfully, and I was really depressed actually because your show was one of the ones that went on hiatus and I thought it was getting cut. I'm like, I just found Mm -hmm. it. How on earth could they possibly (laughs) cut it? Don't they know I've just found this show? Yeah, I think I only did like 15 episodes or something like that at the beginning. I watched them all. Oh, well, thank you. But then it got resumed. Yes. And it's better than ever. I don't know. I don't know if you've learned more editing kung fu or whatnot between then and (laughs) now. I have. <laughs> but it came back in, in what, March? Oh, uh, wow. I don't know. Was it? No, not that early. Was it? Maybe March or April? Has it been that long? Goodness. Uh, yeah. No, it was uh, It was a huge surprise surprise for me. Um, uh, regarding the debacle, it really wasn't anybody's fault. It was just, you know, now that I really learned what happened, it was just a lot of crap that happened. And it wasn't really anybody's fault. And... You know, people took the blame that shouldn't have taken the blame. And it was just it was just a mess. Um, But, you know, I'm glad that I stepped away for a while. And, you know, when I first when they first brought me onto the escapist, they had a very particular image in mind. Uh, They definitely talked to me about, you know, being that the, you know, cute girl on the escapist. And I could be a little flirty and, you know, dress a little sexy and be really cutesy and kind of be you know, bubbly, you know, kind of, can it just be, you know, kind of work that angle a little bit? Cause that, you know, works really well when you do it right in the game industry. <laughs> um, and, you know, coming from a sketch comedy show, like every time I step in front of a camera, I feel comfortable kind of doing a character. And so, you know, the original uh, top five episodes, they were definitely like a little more cutesy, a little more bubbly, a little more, you know, blonde and, you know, that that whole thing. And and I'm I was I'm fine with that. And that's cool. But I like it even more now that coming back with the show uh, Susan was, was who I worked with. And, you know, they, they personally, you know, reached out to me and they're like, you need to bring back top five. We have people asking for it and we, you know, people have not forgotten about it. Like, please bring it back and kind of talking more with them. You know, they really wanted me to just be myself and just, you know, just dress comfortably and just 
do whatever and just talk about whatever the heck I wanted and just don't be afraid and just go for it. And I have, and it's, I like, I like my show now so much better than I liked the old show. In fact, I get all, I think this is just the artist in me, but I get all cranky, like seeing the old episodes next to the new episode. I'm like, people are going to watch the old ones. I want them to watch the new ones. Ah. <laughs> you know, we're the same way with our original shows. We just tell people yeah. flat out, don't listen to them. They're crap. I think everybody's like, everybody's like that. So. Yeah. Well, now, and, and to be fair, two points here. First off, uh, for listeners at home, if you don't know what we're talking about, the whole escapist debacle, don't worry about it. Put it out of your mind. Don't research it. You're better it never off happens. for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just pointless to go down that rabbit hole. There's it's, no yeah, good information there. Uh, but secondly, uh, I get, you're, you're right. I mean, thinking about it, that is the difference between the two. And gamer geeks, I mean, we like the cute, the sexy, the, the pinup model sort of look. But at the same time, we kind of resent being pandered to. Mm-hmm. And if we yeah. feel like that's being, I remember on G4, Morgan Webb, uh, for a long time there, when she was playing the whole, look at me, I'm a sex symbol, I'm really, really cute, I'm in FHM magazine, you can look at my mm-hmm. webcam anytime. People liked it at first. Yeah. And then quickly turned and turned yeah. hard. You're not a yeah. real gamer, you're not a real geek, you're just some model that got brought in. And she had to change her look back to how she was when she was just a journalist. Right. And I don't yeah. and Olivia Munn was another one. I don't think she ever got out from under that and she finally just left and went mm-hmm. on to the rest of her acting. I mean yeah. so and of course I'm overgeneralizing. I can't speak for all men and all geeks or even all video gamers. But while we like the cute, good looking females, we'd really rather not have someone we feel has no business talking to us. No, I yeah. absolutely agree. It was you know, when I was doing top five before the early episodes, it was kind of before the days of YouTube and it was kind of before uh, game websites started doing videos. So, you know, the escapist was kind of like that one video Island out there in the middle of nowhere where everywhere else was pretty much just, you know, just journalism, just articles and columns. And then there was G4 and the escapist, you know, we, we actually did videos before people started doing videos and uh, so, you know, there wasn't really at that time, I didn't think there wasn't a huge, kind of tsunami of fake geek girls or whatever the over sexy type of thing and uh you know so i didn't i didn't even really know that was a thing i just knew that like i think it was like i was like 21 or something and like i wanted to look sexy and i wanted to be a character and i that's just kind of what i wanted wanted to do i actually didn't really have any ulterior motive at that time but looking back it looks like i did and that's what pisses me off is because it looks like i'm pandering and it looks like that is like I'm trying really hard to do that. And that's not that's not the case, because like I said, my background is is acting is like character acting. And that's just kind of the character that I created for that show. And that was also the first time I had ever hosted. Uh, I kind of growing up, I always said I never wanted to host because for the very few uh, hosting jobs that I had, I just, I hated it. Like I didn't like interviewing people and I didn't like, you know, talking into a camera when it wasn't scripted. I hated it. So, you know, I, instead of treating it like a host gig, like a a hosted show, I treated it, you know, like a sketch, like every episode was like a little five minute sketch. And that's why a lot of my episodes did have sketches in them because that's what I really wanted to do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's why, you know, I hate those old episodes because I'm like, oh my God, look how short that skirt is. Like, what, what are you doing? You look like a stripper. Um, but you know, so, but now, you know, I'm older and wiser and I have a, you know, more level-headed opinion about games and that culture. And, you know, I don't have a problem with girls 
you know, doing that or going that direction. Anybody can do whatever they want. That's fine. But for me personally, yeah, I'm much happier just kind of being myself and just wearing <laughs> T-shirts and jeans and, you know, talking about dumb video games. It's, it's my jam. <laughs> I, I, I kind of uh, I, I feel for you there on the hosting. I We were randomly tasked while we were in Vegas last week. Uh, hey, IAW TV Awards are ha- happening this week. Want to come onto the red carpet and do some interviews? Well, sure. I, I've never been on a red carpet. Sure. How hard could it be? Oh, it's hard. Oh, my gosh. I, it and, is not fun. And I feel worse for the people I was interviewing. Cause it's like, oh, it's the worst. Hi. It's the worst. No clue who I've you done, are. I haven't seen yeah, your series. <laughs> no, I felt the same way. I, the first ever red carpet that I actually did where you know there was a media line and I had to reach over with my microphone and shout at celebrities and try to get them over to me was the Wreck-It Ralph premiere in LA at the uh, El Capitan Theater. And that was just like, it was miserable. Like, I didn't want to be there. The celebrities didn't want to talk to me. Like, it was, I mean, they were nice and everything, but they just, you could just tell they just wanted to do one interview and then go in and watch the movie. But they had like a thousand people. Well, not a thousand, but there was like a, there was like a, you know, 200 media people there. Half were electronic and half were still. Um, But the electronic media, like, I had other people just like, you know, from like Entertainment Tonight and like those type of shows, they were like elbowing me out of the way, like really hard and like shouting at the celebrities. And I'm like, this is horrible. I don't. And then once I finally got an interview, I was so like anxious and, and nervous that I, you know, finally got the interview that I would mess up the interview. <laughs> so it's like, it was so stupid. I hate but it. I hate that stuff. We actually had a similar, similar situation last year at Salt Lake Comic Con. They did the big press conference right before the event opened up to the public and and they had peter mayhew and richard hatch and all these all these really cool people there and one of the local news affiliates came and i was standing there with our camera and he comes and sets up his tripod right where i'm standing i'm like excuse me i'm like standing right here so i said screw it you got a bigger camera i went and just sat down on the front row with my little camera and um yeah, and then it was like a complete shark tank when oh, they yeah. start when they start talking to the people. Oh yeah, it's just elbows, and I didn't even bother with it. I mean, it yeah, was. Yeah, I was like having a nervous breakdown. I hated it so much because, especially because I was, you know, I'm I'm so used to being on the other side. You know, uh, when I was, I don't really so much anymore because I don't really even go to events, but. Um, you know, when I was on all that, when you're on a show, you kind of you have to have a publicist. Well, you don't have to, but, you know, you usually have a publicist and then you go to all these publicity events. And I was doing like four publicity events a week, something crazy. But, you know, I was so used to, you know, walking down the red carpet and being led by a publicist. And my publicist would choose, you know, who I talked to and who I didn't. And so I was just kind of along for the ride. And I knew how to give a really short, quick interview with good sound bites and then move on. Um, so it was really strange, like being on the other side of that media line and having to interview people because, you know, I, I, I don't know. I knew that they knew what they were supposed to do, but I, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. <laughs> now, when you were on the other side, when you were being led down the red carpet and people were asking you questions, did you ever just say anything uh, that you immediately thought I probably shouldn't have said that? No, uh, I was a, I was a kid. And I pretty much got coached by my publicist before every red carpet. And uh, any question that would have resulted in an answer that I wouldn't have been proud of, my publicist would eliminate the question before it even happened. You 
know what I mean? Like if somebody uh-huh. asked me something inappropriate, he'd be like, and they would just move on to something like, what's your favorite lip gloss? And, you know, <laughs> you know they didn't ask me a lot of hard-hitting questions as a teenager on a Nickelodeon show. So I didn't really have to worry about, you know, saying things I regret. Now would be a different story because I, I'm slightly more opinionated about things now than I was I, back I, I can imagine that poor Pubbles is, Lisa, we really need you to stop talking about human trafficking, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you could just talk about the lip gloss, we'd really, really appreciate it. Just get get back to the lip gloss. Just just stick to the lip gloss. Let's talk about blood diamonds. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Now, kind of going back to something we were talking a little bit about earlier um, with the pandering to geeks and whatnot. Now, you're obviously a big gamer girl. um, Good geek girl. Do you get like ever accused of being a fake geek girl do, do do you catch any of that that negative flack that's out there from from a lot of the geek community because of who you are and what you do uh yeah i think every single female who's ever claimed uh online that they enjoy a good video game or two has been accused of no you don't you're fake and blah blah, blah. but i don't really i don't really understand it i think it's um i think it's silly I don't know. It's um, I to be perfectly honest, I kind of don't like the direction that the geek world has kind of gone in. And I that is definitely not all inclusive. I don't mean everyone. I just mean there are kind of certain communities where they they wear this badge of geek just to the ends of the earth like i don't know like they get kind of mean about it like i'm a geek you're not a geek these are the things i love so get out of my way and like i don't really understand i don't get it like it's just kind of boggles my mind like how about people just like what they like and that is it is what it is um you know i think my theory is that i think you know back in the olden days when you know, people were called a geek because they liked Star Wars and because they liked Star Trek. And it was like, oh, he's the he's the nerdy kid who plays chess and reads books and all that stuff. I think that 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 kind of scenario is it it doesn't exist anymore because geek stuff is now cool. You know, even going back and looking at some of those old Star Trek episodes, they're really bad. And you would make fun of people who enjoyed them because they're really horrible. <laughs> like the graphics are terrible and they look like they were put on in someone's backyard. Uh, but now, like, they're brilliant and they're amazing and there's explosions and blah and, like, this incredible graphics. And I don't understand a, a person on Earth who would not enjoy it. So does that mean every single person on Earth is a nerd, is a geek? Like, I don't think the label geek or nerd really even means anything anymore. So when someone says you're not a geek, then I just kind of ignore it because what is a geek anymore? <laughs> well, well, and first off, it doesn't help that you're attractive. And that, well, no, that <laughs> well, sounds like you. I'm pandering, but truly, I mean, uh, people, if you, haven't, if you haven't seen her, Google her. Maybe not at work <laughs> um, or in front of the wife. There shouldn't be anything too naughty. No. Should, it should all be uh, No, good, I would imagine not. Good clothes but, fun. <laughs> but just the same. Don't look up pictures of an attractive woman in front of your wife. That, that is true. That is good advice. But it's, there's like this kind of weird inverse scale. The hotter you are the less likely you're a geek, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, if you looked like me and we're still a woman, (laughs) 
<laughs> mustache and beard and all the people oh yeah she's totally a video gaming geek i could totally tell but there's you have to work that much harder it seems i, I like to tell people that geeks are everywhere even if you don't like sci-fi if you can name to me if you can tell me the entire history of this nhl team back to its founding guess what you're a geek <laughs> That's, yeah, that's pretty geeky yeah, right no, there. No, you're right. You're, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's kind of that idea of, you know, if everything is special, then nothing is. So if everyone is a geek, then no one's a geek, I guess, is what oh. I'm trying to get at. And, uh, you know, it, I think it all goes back to, you know, the whole pretty girl geek thing. I, what, I think that all goes back to those, you know, those good old 80s movie and 90s movie stereotypes where you have the super, super hot girl and you have the girl with the braces and the glasses. And, you know, so many movies have just made that a thing. Like there's the hot girl and then there's the nerdy girl. But now... That nerdy things, nerdy things are cool, and more attractive girls are gravitating toward nerdy things because they're cool. Then we, it's like we can't comprehend, we can't get it because no, you're supposed to be the cheerleader, and you over there with the bottled cap glasses or whatever they're called, <laughs> you're supposed to be bottle. What are the bottle glasses? Bottle, coke bottle, whatever. Bottle cap glasses. That's no, just I, awesome. I, I can't see. You wouldn't be able to see anything, actually. You know what? I've been up since 7 a.m. and I've been at the DMV for five hours today, so I'm like, on, I'm ready to go to sleep. Ad- uh, admittedly, no, like- those glasses be worth a lot and fall out. <laughs> That's true. They would. <laughs> they would be worth a lot. Uh, but no, I think it's there's like this weird brainwash thing where we still kind of, you know, like I said, we look at the hot girl like, no, you're the mean cheerleader, and then we look at the the you know nerdy girl with the braces, and we're like, no, you're the nerd, but. It's not that way anymore. Another it's way nuts. to look at it, the old stereotypes, is if this were a horror movie, who's dying first? <laughs> That's true. Yes. You know, do you want to be the hot cheerleader who's killed by the axe murderer in the middle of the act of you know what with the jock? Or do you want to be the nerdy girl who lives at the end? I don't know. I w- if it was an actual movie, I would like to die because dying in movies is one of the most fun things ever. I finally got to do it and it was everything I wanted it to be and more. <laughs> There's a sound clip I didn't expect. <laughs> no, I got to do a horror movie because I've only booked comedy my whole life. I've only booked sitcoms and comedy and, you know, really lighthearted, fun, funny roles because that's just, I guess, what I'm good at. But when I was in Portland and I was just kind of doing acting work on the side, uh, there was this independent movie called Shiver that they were, you know, auditioning. And after reading the script, like, I. I knew it was going to be like a B movie, like not amazing, but you know, they could, they could, they could make it good, you know, with the right director and editor and it could be good, but I, it, it was kind of a 50, 50 shot, but I decided to do it anyway because my character got killed by this murderer with a garage wire around my neck. He just like, he comes in my apartment and he just throws the wire over my head and just, I choked me until I die and I just bleed everywhere and it was amazing. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> so, so what was so amazing about that? Just the fact that you died, how you died. I you mean, get to act like you're dying. It's like when you're growing up and you're a kid, you want to always act like you just got shot. You know, you want to oh, oh, uh-huh. have that, have that death scene. And like that moment where you, you know, you shut your eyes and you just go limp. And, you know, I got to, I got to do that. I mean, it was a, it was a longer scene than just that. You know, like I, you know, he broke in my apartment and he tried to, you know, he got me like around the neck and he was asking me questions. And then finally he let me go. 
to go down the stereo because it was too loud. And then as soon as I went over to the stereo, he threw the wire around my neck. And then we had to do some stunts. Like we, there were some mats involved and we like leapt back onto our backs and then struggled on the ground but um i had these tubes hooked up to my arms that uh they came out of my wrists and so i would hold my hands up by my neck like where the wire was like i was trying to get the wire off and it would shoot the blood out of my wrists to make it look like it was shooting blood out of my neck so i was just like rolling around on the ground with this guy trying to murder me with like this wire around my neck just blood squirting in my face and my hair and just everywhere and then finally they yelled cut and it was just this mess and everyone applauded and it was just like so much fun (laughs) which as you know from my all that days i am not afraid to get messy in any you know way shape or form so that was that that is not a scene you want to laugh during and have them reshoot (laughs) Yes, that is true. <laughs> you know, I always think it's interesting when I watch a TV show, movie, whatever the case may be, and somebody dies. I always try and look and see if they're breathing. Like I if too. I if I can I see if they're too. breathing or if like their face twitches or you know, because I would probably bust up laughing because I'm not professional, and I always kind of hope that I can see that. But you guys are all surprised. too good. I was worried about it because I had just gotten done you know, struggling and screaming and squirming and my heart rate was really, you know, high up. And so my chest, I was breathing really deeply. And so as soon as I died, I knew that I was still breathing because I was like, (laughs) 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 so I I was like, they can cut around that. It's fine. So that's, that's uh, awesome. I got to go see that. I got to go rent that now. Oh, it's not good. It's bad. I finally <laughs> saw it. Oh, but it's with Casper Van Dien, and he was in Starship Troopers, and that's why it's amazing. But yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. Go go rent it. Go go check it out. It's it'll it's one of those movies where at the end you'll probably just go okay. <laughs> it's like I know her. I've talked with her. I know her. I think Lisa owes me a rental fee now. <laughs> give me back my 99 cents lisa <laughs> now, yeah don't come after me for the money if you pay your own good money to rent it. Now, now we don't have much time left with you here uh and you've been most generous we really love having you on here but real fast here because a lot of your stuff does go around video games what are your what are your top five what are your favorites okay my top five favorite video games of like all time sure okay because that's it's so different now because I don't know if you saw on my Twitter, but for Christmas, I got a Sega Dreamcast, which used to be my favorite video game console. So now that's like all I'm playing, which is great because everyone else is playing their Xbox Ones and their PS4s. And I'm at home playing friggin crazy taxi on my Dreamcast. <laughs> I love it. I love every second of it. Um, but favorite games of all time, uh, games that really changed me as a person. Maybe not, I don't know. Uh, the Secret of Monkey Island and uh, Curse of Monkey Island and uh, the whole Monkey Island series, Lechuck's Revenge. Those mostly the first two, first two Monkey Island games. Really, they they're the games that turned me into a gamer. Um, that's what started it all. And uh, Bioshock, Bioshock was the first Bioshock was the, a game that I played, and at the end, it I like sat there and just stared at my TV like what. What did I just experience? That was the most amazing thing I've ever been involved in. And uh, just, you know, the story twists in that in that game and just the, the voice acting and the art deco world and rapture and just, oh, it's amazing. And another game that I know a lot of people have not played, but they should play, 
is a JRPG called Odin Sphere, which is incredible. It's just, it's all this hand drawn uh, art, and it has like five main characters and they all interweaving storylines like you play each person's storyline and then at the end it all weaves together and it's all like Norse uh, mythology and and uh, so like you know Odin and Valkyries and dragons and it's it's got one of those stories that made me cry at the end it's just amazing uh, I don't know what we're on number four I don't know number two I don't know uh, Chrono Trigger is one of my favorite games oh, how about good that one. good one <laughs> Love me some Chrono Trigger. I've been talking about Chrono Trigger a lot on Top 5 lately. And uh, number five, out of, oh, Grim Fandango, obviously. My other favorite. Those are not in any particular order, but uh, Grim Fandango is one of the most um, incredible games I've ever played. And I don't know why there's not an HD remake and why people, you know, why well, that's not available. Lucas. It's Lucasfilm. Yeah, I it's guess Lucas that's Arts, true. I should say. I I had totally forgotten about Grim Fandango. Crap, I have to redo my list now. Monkey, Monkey Island was Lucas Arts, and they redid that the HD versions for the Xbox. It, it was more commercially popular. It made more money. But Grim Fandango's so good. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's so good. Go play it. Listeners. Well, speak, speaking of of remaking games, Ducktales Remastered. Woo! What what are your thoughts on that? Best uh, game of 2013. No, I didn't really think it was that good, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Zolana love- just ended this interview. <laughs> I, I'm, like, addicted to that. <laughs> no, I loved the original, but I didn't really think the remake was all that special. I don't know. I thought it was fun, but I didn't, it, I don't, it didn't blow my mind. But sorry. That, Maybe that, if you want, <laughs> I, will, I, I can lie. Do you want me to tell you it was amazing? <laughs> no, no, you don't need to do that. I, I appreciate your, your candor. And I will still continue to watch you on Top 5 Weekly. I'm sorry, that was a moment. Uh, <laughs> best game ever. Like, yeah. Sorry, bro. Hey, Z- hey Zana, I want bro. you to go watch this crappy movie, and I hate your game. <laughs> now, speaking of, an, uh, speaking of another game, um, just real quickly, it was announced today that SimCity is going to now come what? out with an offline mode. Finally. What do your I, I have a lot of rage towards that game because I waited for years and years for it to come out. I pre-ordered it. I have played once yeah, since no, it came out. Good. You should be furious about it because that was completely unacceptable. And In this day and age, you can't have a debacle like that. That is absolutely absurd. And there were so many things. I, I was actually doing a daily news show at the time when all of that was going down. It was called Remag. And every single day I would read the the news or the news stories of whatever just, you know, popped up. And I was covering the SimCity story. And every single day I'm like, really? That's what they're doing? And then the next day it's like, really? That's what they're doing to cover up the thing they did yesterday? <laughs> and yeah. every single day it was just anger and more anger and more anger. And finally I'm just like, you know what? I am never going to play this game. It's not going to happen. I'm moving on. But I now- don't know. My question for you, do you think that them going offline will attract people such as yourself who said, I won't play? Do you think it's going to give this game a second life? Yes, absolutely I do. Yes. Maybe not so much so that it changes the world or makes people forget about the previous awfulness <laughs> but and i you know i don't think it's gonna you know i don't think skills, uh, sales are gonna skyrocket i don't know but i think it does certainly open it up to 
a large group of people who all they wanted was the offline version, which I, yes, I am one of them. All when, you know, all it was going down, I was just like, I just want to play offline. That's all I want to do. I don't want to play with other people. I'm not that social. (laughs) We've, We've been over this. I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> very social. I want to play at home by myself. I don't. You know what? I don't even like playing certain games on my computer and on my phone because I get furious if they ever like upload anything to Facebook about what I'm doing. It drives me insane. Like I don't want anyone to know to know what I'm playing. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. All right. Like well, I don't think I've ever connected something to my Facebook account. I know they're always just like connect Clash of Clans to your Facebook. I'm like, no thanks. I will never do that. But, oh great! Now you're gonna get Zoner uh, asking you to join his clan. Oh my boy. clan! My clan is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> my clan is so cool, guys. My clan <laughs> so awesome. Got dark elixir and building up my cannons. <laughs> Lisa, we need to let you go. I, I don't want to take up any more of your time, and I know you have something else planned tonight, but thank you so much. Uh, thank bef- you guys so much. I'm sorry I, I dissed on DuckTales. I, oh, I drew like it. I'm sorry. Don't hate That's me. okay. I, I, we still love you. Now, it's, okay. it's all good. Before we let you go, we need to let everyone know your 40th episode of Top 5 is coming up. Yes, 40th episode. It's a lot for me because it's a weekly show and it's a one-woman production. I write, film, act, edit, produce everything myself. I have zero help and I've been doing that every week, apparently for 40 weeks. So that's exciting for me and makes me want to take a nap. (laughs) You also write. Yes, I do write. Not as much uh, anymore in places that you can check out. I used to write for Kotaku, and I used to write articles for various various websites, but mostly I'm doing a lot of uh, priv- private writing, some projects I have uh, in the mix. But uh, yes, and also go play LocoCycle. I know that everyone crapped on it, but you should play it just because I'm the voice in it, and it's funny. So, <laughs> Also a game where people didn't crap on. You're also uh, the voice in Mrs. Ms. Explosion Man. I'm the narration. Yes, I'm the narrator voice in Miss Explosion Man. That was kind of like my audition with Twisted Pixel before. They're, they're like, we just we just want to test you out on something small before we make you the lead character in our first Xbox title. <laughs> or Xbox one, yeah. Xbox one title. Just say <laughs> it. it. All, all right. If you want more information, you can also follow uh, you on Twitter. Is that correct? Yes, at Lisa Foils. And uh, lisafoils.com. We'll have links Lisa in the show notes. Oh, you guys are the best. Aww. Oh, thank you. Lisa, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you guys so much. It was great. This has been another episode of Stolen Droids Presents. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production. <laughs>